Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. Psalm 13 this morning. Um, it's very short in case you really don't like reading these verses. But if everybody could go ahead and stand, this is just going to get us in a posture for worship. Okay, so Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. God, I just pray that regardless of our circumstances this morning, regardless of what we come into this service with, that we would trust and know that you are good, that your character never changes, that your love is steadfast. God, that your mercies are new. I just pray that as we enter into worship, that we would enter in with a heart that's just willing to praise you, that's willing to lay down our weeks, our days, our hard years at the altar, and just pick up who you are and pick up the character of God. So I just ask for clean hands and pure hearts as we go into worship. Amen. Lord, we just we thank you for your presence here this morning. The reminder of your reckless love for us. Undoing all the things we tell ourselves, we hear about ourselves, all the lies that creep in. We just thank you for your overwhelming love that washes all of that away. Lord, I pray that we would learn to rest in that reality that your love washes all that away. 
replaces all those lies with your truth, your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would just create a space in this room for people to be encouraged to create a space for you. And I know that means that before we create a space, we have to know that you are worth it and that you are the good life, that you are the good seed, that you are, God, the Prince of Peace. All of these things that you approach us with, I I pray. I can't make that happen in my words. You have to show yourself to be true. You have to help us to taste and see that you are good. You have to use your kindness to draw us into a place where we would, heck yeah, I want to repent. Because what could be better? And we thank you today that we have your word and we get to chew on it together in a church like this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're taking a quick break from Mark for three weeks to preach through our pots. Our pots are this, prayers of the season taken from Revelation 5.8. If you've been here for any time, you know that that's true. The bowls in heaven representing the prayers of the people. We believe there are certain things we should pray into as a community, and so we do that. The pots for this time around are in a small caption shot right here. Generosity with our time and resources. And then we have student ministry. And then right here, creating space for spiritual formation. So last week, we started the pots with Eucharisteo, if you guys will look back there. Um, this is just a really like historic and traditional way Um, we just wanted to create a mosaic of thankfulness and not just jump to the next ask, which I do agree with Bill. We need to verbalize our asking, but we also need to be really good about being thankful for what we've been given. So Eucharisteo is, he gave thanks, and so we ask that you give thanks. If there happens to be 10 things in your heart that you really want to pray into, I would encourage you to settle in with the Lord and just have a time of thanksgiving. And you can practice that by putting something on that board. I'm I'm, I'm a freak about things looking neat, so... I restructured them and made them look closer together. It's just dumb. I do, I do dumb stuff. I, I use my time really well. So at prayer night, at Night of Healing Prayer, I did that while everybody was being prayed for. So that's what I did. Um, but it's a, good, it's a good reminder. And this is going to be open not only just through the pots, but for the rest of the year. If you're thankful for something, just write it down. And then interacting with these, I'll explain at the end. Um, this first pot, though, spiritual formation, I think it's actually a better way to say disciple-making disciples. Um, it's, it's more pointed, and it helps us to see what we personally need and corporately need. And it's not being done incredibly well in churches. Um, this is really the reason we decided to plant. We wanted to be a part of a community that had, they, they graded health and whether or not they were successful by were disciples being made into disciples, were people being spiritually formed. We could care less about the number growth. And so this is why this church was started, spiritual formation. I wanted to give you a quick definition of what would be spiritual formation so you can kind of wrap your mind around it. Spiritual formation, increasing in intimacy with Jesus Christ and maturing in Christ, like character and conduct in the context of a loving Christian community through a rhythm of individual, spiritual, and corporate disciplines. This is our first pot. This is what we think is most important out of all of them right now. More pointed, here's what we think. Lord, we need to cultivate deep roots in your vine through a rhythm of both individual and corporate spiritual disciplines. Lord, help me to prioritize my calendar to have personal time with you. I want to reclaim devotions, like this idea of devotions. Who, who, who was kind of raised on doing your devotion? Which is not a bad thing, but 
for me, it probably was a bad thing. It was just something I checked off and didn't really spend any time, wasn't present with, for sure wasn't present with. So being spiritually formed is about always being present with the Lord. It's about setting aside everything for that and not trying to rush through it and get through it. Spiritual formation is a space created where you are giving yourself over to the disciplines to be with Jesus. It, it doesn't just sneak up on you, right? You're not going to wake up and just be spiritually formed for the rest of your life. And you repented, you were baptized, and that's it, right? Spiritual formation takes a decision. It takes looking at your own personal rhythm that you already have and, and examining that rhythm and saying, are these things helping form me in character and conduct to Christ's likeness? And so Sarah created a graph a couple weeks ago. Actually, this has been her graph. And at some point, we thought we should probably redo it and make it pretty. But then we we're like, it's, it's already kind of going. And it is what it is. So if you could pull up this picture. This is her artwork. So um, your deepest desire is the one thing, is the one manifested by your daily life and habits. So if you want to talk about, I'm a, I'm a Jesus believer. Or, you know. I believe in this, I'm going after this. This is the way that you know if what you're saying is actually true. If you say, Jesus is my first love. If you say, I'm in love with the bride. If you say, I'm seeking first the kingdom. The way that, that you find out if that's actual is by looking at the things in the center. And this is, my hope for you is that you don't feel anything but the kindness of the Lord trying to re-reveal himself to you in a way that says, he is the good life, which, is, which I think is his goal. Your actions, your behaviors, your rituals. You do have rituals. Don't just think tribal, right? Don't just think old school. Your rituals, all of you know your rhythms, right? I know my rhythms. I know athletically. I know that I'm going to check a, a, a couple recruiting things every day. Who does that? Who has something sports related they do every single day? Every day I do. If I, if I, if I laid it literally bare for you guys, it would be embarrassing to talk about what I do, it's part of my ritual, right? So it's not really forming me. It's, it's like a void of space. I enjoy it, and there's probably something beneficial about it, but our rituals and our habits say a lot about what we believe, right? And here's the tricky thing about our rituals, habits, actions, behaviors. Those are what form us too. So those things that we spend time in, we choose to do that, but they also form us. And so the word, worship, prayer, community, I'm going to say the last one again because I know you know the first three. Community. Body of Christ is not a secondary thing. This is the context, right? Mark Nicewinder came, came here, who's the director of our network on Thursday, and he spoke to us and he shared that what the church needs now is, is a, what was the word he used? A fervency. A fervency for the spirit, right? Which, a fervency. And I know that word. I know when I feel fervent about anything. And he said, it's like the church is the fireplace, and the fire is the real thing, and that's the place for the fire, right? It's not that the fire's it and the church isn't important, or the church is the only thing important and the fire doesn't matter, but the church is the house for this fire, becoming fervent. And what's happened is churches have learned how to mimic fire. And he just, the way that Mark explains, and this makes me proud that he's our network director, is just always good for me. So what we do is we create things that look like fire whether it's a light show or actual smoke on a stage. And we create these environments that look fervent, that look passionate, and we spend all of this time trying to attract people to a gathering 
but there's no real spiritual fervency. It's empty. And so the church has to start to hunger and thirst for the fervency of the Spirit. The Spirit is alive. The Spirit is active. It's, it's who indwells us corporately, not just singularly. And the house for that is the church. So thank you, Jordan, for being honest about your disdain with the church. I felt the same disdain. And then God said the same thing to me. If you have such strong feelings about the church, why don't you do something about it? And it's not that you're going to be the savior of the church, Josh. Jesus already took that job. It's that you get to figure out how to love people well in that context. So I want this church to be a church that is fervent for the spirit. And the only way that that happens is creating a space corporately and individually for our actions, behaviors, habits, virtues, all of those things centered on Jesus. If it's centered on other things, we have to shift. We have to shift. And so I want to read you a passage here in a moment. All heard this. Um, and I know that there's been seasons of my life where I've been a Christian where I feel like I have a moment with the Lord. I've had a lot of really good moments with the Lord. And I don't really know what to do following those moments. Typically in my past, I'll have a moment. I'll feel like I feel the peace of God. I'll feel healing in some way. I'll feel like God has met me. And I see that he's good, and I know that he's kind, and I know that he's not angry with me, and I know that he's not out to get me, and I know that he's not trying to just show me the bad stuff about me so that I can change it. Whenever I have my real God moments, those are the kind of the fruit of it. Like, I, I do want to be with you, Lord. I leave those settings thinking, okay, I, I don't know how I got to a spot again where I didn't remember this, but I do want to be with you. And the question that I ask is, what do I do now? And what do I do now? Like, what do I do with my life now? We're going to read in Acts 2 that the people are pierced to the heart by the preaching of Peter, and they ask the question, what do I do? What do we do? What do we do? And they're told, repent and be baptized, which is great. I'm not preaching against being baptized and reprinting. Reprinting. That could be a Christian printing company. Wouldn't be successful, though. So, so those are beautiful things, right? But that's an in route. That's an in route. So so part of the thing that I want to help redeem in churches are this space is not about evangelism. This setting is not about evangelism. This setting is about spiritual formation. It's about disciples becoming disciples. It's taking the, top, the stuff from the top shelf and bringing it to the bottom and reclaiming this space, not just for people to get saved. So if people want to argue with me, and they have before, why, didn't, why do more people not get saved on Sunday mornings? Because people should be getting saved in the marketplace. People should be getting saved at home. People should be getting saved because this space is needing to be reclaimed for spiritual formation so that we can become disciples. That's what this space is for. And so, yes, repent. I want to turn. I mean, we need to redeem that word too. I want to turn. And be baptized. That's just an invitation into a body. And it's a brave one. I want, but that's not the goods of Acts 2.42 to 47. The goods are the things that happen as a result. And so, just close your eyes for just a moment. You're such a creative Holy Spirit. We can't even begin to understand how you approach us. And just as soon as we know you're going to approach us like you approach this person, you do it differently. So we have to be ever on our toes and present with you. Sensing and seeing what you're doing for right now, not just something you've done in the past. So in this moment, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would approach every single person in this room. The way that you approached a community of over 3,000 people 
and spoke languages in different tongues so that people could hear about you and got their attention. In this room, your spirit is active and alive and can do the same stuff. So we say, and I just want you to picture the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart. If you are super Christian, even for the pastors in this room, and people like Kurt, that's a missionary, who know that you're living your life for the Lord, don't exclude yourself from being able to hear afresh again, just like you did in the beginning, something for right now. He is always, always being creative with the way that he approaches us. So God, we don't, we don't say that you're not, and we can give you space to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Acts 1, they're told to go be together and wait on the Holy Spirit. They don't even know what they're waiting on. They just know they're waiting on the Holy Spirit and what that's going to look like. So they get together, they wait. Acts 2 comes, and you've all heard the story that tongues of fire come down, and through a group of people, they start to speak languages that people from other nations begin to understand, okay? Just, just so you know, that's crazy. And just for you who have already understood and heard this a hundred times, step back from that. Here's what's happening. God looks down at the earth. There's a group of people who need to hear about Jesus. So this is his, like nobody would have ever seen this coming. You know, God's going to do this thing where he makes all these people speak a different language and nobody would have thought of that. Jesus did all of that to stir an interest so that Peter could then preach a message. You understand that? Like how crazy and interactive and creative the Spirit can be when people want him? But they were obedient before. Go be together, right? There's no spiritual Jedi waiting in different corners of the city, waiting on their calling. Waiting to be told how beautiful and great they're going to be for the world, right? We need, we need forgiveness as an American church for telling every new Christian that they're going to be the best thing that's ever happened to the world. Instead of preaching humility like Jesus did. We teach people how to show up with pride. We, people struggle showing up humble. People don't want to clean the toilets. People want to step on a stage. That's all of us. That's not, I'm not speaking at you. I'm speaking at me as well. There's like four years of messed up calling in my life because of that. Until I understood Jesus was like, you're not as great as you think you are, Josh. I will always sit in that seat. I'm going to sit in that seat. You sit in the be willing seat. And if you want to see what I can add to things, and then this passage, right? So these people are waiting around, not knowing what to do, probably sweating together, because nobody had AC. <laughs> Jesus sh shows up through a spirit. People begin to speak in a language. People are like, oh, let me just read it to you. You can pull it up. <laughs> this is after that happens. Peter has the floor. Around 3,000 people are listening, Okay. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see, the, see corruption. 
You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did the, his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we, will, we were all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let it... Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through them. Apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any need had need. As any had need, sorry. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is so encouraging to me. I don't know what you hear in this, because I've heard it in so many different ways. I hear just a way to be let off the hook, to not be God. I hear, I see in these words to a, a people who literally were with Jesus, who saw him, who had to make an interaction with him, and then decided it's probably not worth our time. He's probably great. He's evidently got a, a crowd, but it's not worth our time. Nobody stood up to stop him from being killed. Nobody stood up. These are the people, and so they're cut to the heart, not because they realize how terrible they are. They're cut to the heart because they had Jesus. They already had Jesus. Jesus was there. And now they realize this Jesus is the good life. And they're cut to the heart, and they're won over already. So in this process of conviction... They're, they're hearing these words and thinking, my heart is at a spot now where it will respond to what it, what, it wouldn't to, what it wouldn't respond to before. I haven't created this space. What do we got to do? Like, please hear the challenge for us. We haven't literally nailed Jesus into a cross to crucify him, but we have shut him out of the most important parts of our lives. We have been okay with having our inner part under our control. He calls to all of us, and he asks if we will. Ask that question. What do we got to do, God? Like, where, what, do we, what must we do? 
forgive me. I've done this. I'm a pastor. I've done this. What must I do, right? How can I create the space that I know that's needed for you to shine through my life? How do I do that? Peter's words cut to their heart. What What must they do? And then they're invited into a new rhythm. And this is where I think it's important for you. You have to label your rhythm. What is forming you? My prayer for this church is that we will become known for spiritual formation. That when someone comes to be a part of this, that they leave a stronger disciple, that they're sent out, that they understand things like identity, that they understand how to hear the voice of the Lord, that they know that the bride is beautiful, even if it's annoying at times, that they know that the bride is still someone that Christ loves, even if people within the bride are are doing this to one another. My goal is that this church become a place where people make time for one another. My goal is that you understand that you're not going to be discipled from this spot on Sundays. This will not be discipleship for you. This will be encouragement into discipleship and spiritual formation. But the space within your frame happens in the real parts of your life. Is there a rhythm of word, worship, prayer, community? Is there a fervency for the Holy Spirit? Is there awe within your body? Do you desire for those things? You have to cry out for it if you don't. Please don't be enamored by important people, by fake fire, and by things that don't actually bring the kingdom to our earth. Please be enamored again with the presence of Jesus that inserts himself into our our humanity and is willing to die to be with us. Please hear the challenge in that. I will be with you, you be with me. Please know, God, I just pray over every person in here that the space created within our weeks for you equals what we will become. The space that we set aside is what we're becoming, whether it's for you or not. So help us to see that our rhythms, our rituals, our habits, these things are forming us. What is getting most of our time? Father, show us clearly. And then at the end of this passage, the Lord adds. This reminds us again of seeking first the kingdom of God and all other things will be added unto you. He asks people to be baptized, he asks people to repent, and then they're thrown into a community. And it's not just like, in my picture before I really started studying this, I had a picture of about 30 people kind of in community, just doing life together, everybody loves everybody, kind of all into the same stuff. There's roughly 3,000 people, and many of them are not saved. And even those are in awe of what's happening. That they start to live life together so beautifully that there is no need that's not met, that they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, with the th- which at this time was teachings on Jesus. They were just chewing on Jesus over and over again, and awe came amongst them. I want to be a church that has awe, not because we created it or made you work up to something, but that you just anticipate that God is going to do something within our community, in my family. Like I want to wake up with my kids and since God is going to do something with Noah and Aletheia and Nava. I want you to be in conversation with each other and since my life is going to be all about God. This is the space that we're being asked to create. So listen, 
please listen for the creativity of the Holy Spirit coming after you. If he will send tongues of fire on people who would not know what that is to speak to people who they don't know in a language they definitely don't understand, the Holy Spirit is creative and is pursuing people and is coming after people and he is doing that in your life. How? Do you sense and see it? Do you notice it? He's doing it now. What's he trying to give to you? What's he trying to say to you? What action is happening for you right now with him? Be alert. Be alert. He's drawing you into a place. And then don't settle for sitting and just feeling like, I was drawn this year. I was drawn this year. That service, man, that was great. That worship was awesome. Went to a conference, man. The guy was like killing it. Went on a mission trip, took some pictures, showed everybody. I'm a great Christian. What if this year, at the end of this year, you can stand before this community and God and say, you literally formed me deeper than I have ever been formed. I have gone from milk to meat. I am a disciple being formed. I can stand in front of somebody that has no idea who you are, Jesus, and I would feel confident sharing you with them. I know who I am in Christ. I know that I'm forgiven. I'm waking up and choosing the spirit over the flesh every day. I fail sometimes, but I know that your grace is sufficient. What if at the end of this year, that's what your every day is like? What if you have set aside time to be in Christian community where you're chewing on the word with people? What if you have to say no to a job opportunity that's going to pay you more money? I will, I'll be the loudest cheerer. If you say no to something like that for Jesus, I will cheer louder than anybody. What if you say no to prestige and position for a space to be with Jesus more? What if you say no to stupid things you should already say no to? Like just the dumb stuff we all say yes to. What if at the end of this year, you're not all the way there, but you've created spaces and you have a rhythm now that looks so fervent that when people are around you, they're in awe. Like, what is going on with you? What if spiritual formation becomes the cry of your heart and then God gets to add the things that you're trying to add? What if he ends up adding the stuff this year? Imagine yourself like this community. They could have heard these tongues of fire, which all of us have been like, whatever just happened was crazy. I'm going to listen to whatever this dude's preaching. I don't even know it's called preaching yet, but whatever he's saying, I'm listening because that just happened. What if you're like that and the spirit is knocking on your door like that and you say, I'm listening. And then what, is he, what if he says, you do these things, but you also, this is your new rhythm. What if you say yes to that? That means you have to look at what you're saying yes to right now. Is it worth what it's going to give you? Is what you're adding going to be enough at the end? I'm just, I just want you to, to know that you can add your own stuff and do your own stuff. What if he adds it, though? That's when things start getting crazy. That's when people like Kurt move to the Middle East, because nobody's like giving him advice on that. You should probably, when he's young, you should probably move to the Middle East. People are like telling him not to. And then the Lord says, no, but, no, but I'm adding. No. That's when people like you end up doing crazy stuff for the gospel. When you submit these inner parts, these inner workings. And so, what are some ways to do that? Well, one, you could repent. I mean, let's just reclaim that word and pretend like it's not awful, right? Repenting is just saying, I recognize that Jesus was in my presence. I now turn from what I said was better than him, and I want him. I want full him. And he's just better. It's like a good thing. And then being baptized, like, we can do that if you want. We'll baptize you. But it's about joining a family. And what if you become 
so plugged into community and the word and prayer that these things start happening. What are some ways to do that at RCC? There's Bible studies. For Bible study, I have BS written down as my, sometimes my, like, my, my acronyms and letters for some of the things I'm sorry. But it says 12 and then BS, which means Bible study, which is what y'all were thinking. <laughs> what if you just decide, I'm, I'm tired of waiting on somebody to form me. Like, what if you just decide, I'm going to cluster up with two or three people. We're going to meet in, in, in the morning. We're going to just chew on some scripture. We're going to do some Alexio Divino together, do some prayer together. What if you just stop waiting for someone to do your formation for you? What if it becomes a priority for you? And then you can't get mad at people who don't do it for you. Because really... The point is that we start to help everybody, right? Even you. Even you that think that you should be, someone should be forming you. So I'm just, I just feel that sense. The Lord told me someone should be forming me this year. <laughs> Jesus is forming us all. What if you made some steps? What if we don't have enough for formation? Because we don't. We don't have enough to form everybody right now. What if you're, you're a part of that? What if you create a space that you didn't have before? What if you join prayer ministry? What if you come to Night of Healing Prayer? What if you're a part of a women's Bible study, a part of 12? We're starting some, guys, some stuff with some guys soon. What if you create space for community within the body of Christ? What if you did that? What would happen? God, there's so much healing. Sarah, if you wouldn't mind coming up. Sarah is over spiritual formation in our church. Um, this is her heart's cry. So she's going to share a quick way to do some things, and then we're going to end with the Eucharist. And let me just explain these before you. At any moment, not while we're talking, because it would just be uncomfortable. You can write on these, and it's just a description of what you would like to see our church do or in your life, and all these things. And for those of you who are like, why did you give us three prayers? If you have a different prayer, it's on that one back there. We're just going to pray over them every week. So give it up for Sarah, please. Um, so Josh wanted me to share sort of my heart for spiritual formation. And um, this is a verse that I feel like is where the Lord is taking us. And it's Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. Happy are those who trust in the Lord, who rely on the Lord. They will be like trees planted by the streams whose roots reach down to the water. They won't fear drought when it comes. Their leaves will remain green. They won't be stressed in the time of drought or fail to bear fruit. And I believe this is the vision for spiritual formation for our church. Um, the, the thing is we have to actually stretch our roots down. We have to do the work of that, work being a beautiful invitation to participate with the Spirit. Um, so my heart for our community is to facilitate ways this can be done, whether it be through in the Christian calendar, which is a beautiful corporate way for us to create space, or whether it be um, helping facilitate groups or providing resources or leading spiritual formation activities. My heart and desire is to walk with you to give you what you need so that you can create space to be formed by God. There are so many ways we can encounter the spirit. Um, it doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be a one size fits all. We can decide and really envision what the good life God has for us. And we can set up our lives into a rhythm for that to actually happen. Um, so that's my heart. Um, for now, I want to ask the prayer teams to come up and the music people. Um, and we're going to just take communion. Um, and because we're short on time, um, we're going to combine some of these activities. But um, So I'm going to, um, if you guys will close your eyes. Uh, the participation in the Eucharist or communion is one of the most powerful 
disciplines for spiritual formation. If you want to talk about an activity where community meets the physical, meets the spiritual, where all different spheres are converging, it's this table. It's the equalizer. It's the place where we can all sit, where we all have room, where we can all be nourished physically and spiritually, and we do it together. So on the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took the bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you, we drink, whenever you drink this, you do this in remembrance of me. So at this table, we proclaim the beautiful mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And I want you to spend a moment just imagining you are at the table with Jesus. Where are you sitting in relation to him? What seat do you have at that table? Are you far away? Are you next to him? Imagine if you're far away that Jesus asks you to come close, to sit right next to him. How do you feel about this invitation? Do you resist? Do you feel awkward? Do you feel shy? Do you feel excited? I want you to imagine that Jesus breaks the bread and he puts it into your open hands. And he says, this is my body, which was broken for you. And there's no shadow I won't light up or mountain I won't climb up coming after you. There's no wall I won't kick down No lie, I won't tear down coming after you. And with the broken bread in your hands, he says, I am blessing your brokenness. As you bring your brokenness to this table, I can bring it under the blessing and redeem it and bring life where there was brokenness. I love you with an everlasting love. And as we move into worship, you can come take communion. And I want you to allow this space, this table, this practice to form you. Don't just pop the communion in your mouth and move on. Sit with Jesus at his side and explore the conversation with him. So Father, we just pray a blessing over every person in this room. We bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would go with the Lord and we pray that he would be with you. We ask God that they would be present with you as you were present with them. We thank you for every good gift that you give. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all.
Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.